0: until the seed that who Christ is, is planted in their soul. And then they meet him and they move from death to life. They are not a part of the kingdom of God, which is directly in opposition to the spirit of evil and chaos. Mm. And so this parable shows us why we need to be and to live in the kingdom of God.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. We are here to help you navigate life by giving you the tools, knowledge, and skills to make your own decisions. Our goal on the Salty Pastor is to help you grow your faith. We believe when you pursue Jesus, you become a person who knows what they believe and why they believe it. Someone who is not gullible, easily swayed, naive, immature, or overly sensitive, but someone who wants to navigate life with strength, courage, and confidence. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the salty pastor himself, Doctor Douglas Peak.
0: <laughs> well, welcome everybody. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really excited because we're going to be starting a brand new series. We're going to be studying some really awesome stuff, and it's going to be it's going to be a great journey. So you are not going to want to miss it. You want to be a part. If you have a friend that you think would be really benefiting from kind of something new to do a new Mm. podcast to listen to or something. I just encourage you to share today's episode with your friend and say, Hey, I'm going to do this for the next 16 weeks. Why don't you go through it with me? And I think you're going to be real. You personally would be blessed, but also I think it's going to really bless your uh, friend, particularly if they have questions about God and faith and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, Uh, I'm hoping that uh, you take advantage of this opportunity to invite a friend into your spiritual journey with you.
1: Absolutely. We are starting this new series on the parables of Jesus titled The Moral of the Story. Mm -hmm. And it's a significant study that's going for 16 weeks through the entire summer. The entire summer. And we're going to be looking at every single parable that jesus told at some point point. Mm-hmm. and the title of our series the moral of the story really just conveys that there is a deeper understanding yeah. to these stories not just what they look like at face value yeah right? just the parables so seven facts about the parables number one they are all stories mm-hmm. two in ancient hebrew the term for parable can also be translated to to riddle yeah um mm-hmm. though the people in the parables are not real the, they are real to life as far as they, they mean something about mm-hmm. life, The meaning they reflect an axiomatic truth. I learned that word axiomatic from you uh, about right. life, something every person has experienced or knows about. Number four, they are all about the kingdom of God. Number mm-hmm. five, Jesus primarily targ- uh, taught in parables. Yeah. Number six, there are 37 parables in the New Testament. So we are going to be combining a couple um, during some of these weeks since we're only going for 16, right? Mm-hmm. And the primary focus of art and literature throughout the centuries has yeah. been created around the parables. Parables,
0: yeah. Tons of stories about the in art and literature and poems all about the parables. Mm. Quite a bit of stuff. So parables are pretty significant. Uh, some of the reasons why the parables are so significant is, number one, they're the primary way in which Jesus taught. And so by knowing the parables, we know what he taught. So the more parables you know, the more you know about Jesus. right? Uh, the second thing is they reveal the true nature of the kingdom of God. And this is why inviting a friend into this journey of podcasting with you is such a big deal. Because when you study the parables, what you're doing is you're studying the s- direct stories that Jesus told about the kingdom of God. So right. you're basically eliminating all of the middlemen, so to speak, the priests and prophets and the scholars and academics that tell you what to think. You can go right to the very story that Jesus told, and you can hear it for yourself. And Jesus told it in a way so that a person who doesn't have a seminary degree makes perfect sense to them. Mm. And so that's why it's such a great thing to invite friends that may have questions about God or where they're at, what the whole point is of kingdom of God, to listen to this series on the parables. Finally, they give us a personal view of Jesus. They really show us um, how he understood human nature, And how he had walked on this earth and interacted with people, understood people and how the kingdom of God and what he came to do interacts with human nature Mm. and what we all struggle with.
1: Yeah. So we've got a lot of parables to cover in the next 16 oh, weeks, Pastor. Yes. What one are we starting off with?
0: Well, I think what we ought to do is begin with the parable of the tares. It's also known as the parable of the weeds. Okay. And it's found in Matthew chapter 13. And it's, it's only about six or seven verses long, 24 through 30. And so why don't we kick it off and why don't you do the honors
1: of reading the very first parable? I would love to. <laughs> so Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field but while everyone was sleeping his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away when the wheat sprouted and formed heads then the weeds also appeared the owner's servant came to him and said sir didn't you sow good seed in your field where then did the weeds come from an enemy did this he replied the servants asked him do you want us to go and pull them up No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn.
0: Now, uh, often when we hear Jesus, uh, speak in parables, he would kind of conclude with, uh, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. And he doesn't conclude right here at this particular moment, but he does in a second, Okay, uh, which in itself is a very unique phrase because if the Hebrew word for parable could also be, uh, interpreted as his riddle, mm. then he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And if you unpack that for just a moment, it's really a powerful phrase because what he's saying is if you're wise enough to figure this out, then you better pay attention. Okay. It makes a huge impact on
1: your life. So he's reemphasizing that idea that this is kind of a little bit of a riddle for the people that are not aware.
0: Yeah. And it carries the weight of complexity. You know, here is a truth that many people never figure out. That's what he's saying. If you can get it, if you understand the meaning of this parable, then you're going to know things about life that other people don't know. And so the reason I wanted to start with this parable in particular is for two reasons. Number one, it sets the stage for all the other parables because it describes the nature of the kingdom of God and then the nature of the kingdom of this world and how they exist side by side. And every parable starts off with a simple phrase, and that is, the kingdom of God is like, and then he tells a story. And so it's really amazing that that is a common theme about all the parables. The second reason why is because Jesus in six verses later, starting with verse 36 actually explains the parable. See, most of the time he's, he doesn't explain it. He says he has ears to hear, let him hear. And people are like, what in the world is he talking about? (laughs) You know, a lot of times they didn't get it. And we know this because even his disciples didn't get it. You know, it's like, okay, that's a great story, but what does it mean? I mean, how does that apply is what their question is. And so what Jesus does is he actually explains it in verse 36, Matthew chapter 13, he says the following. Then Jesus left the crowd and went into a house or the house. His disciples came into the house and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to love it. You just got to said, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? So he just is in front of the crowds. He tells this parable, and even his own followers don't know what it means, and then Jesus leaves. <laughs> he just leaves them hanging. He's like, he leaves them hanging. Nope. okay, bye. <laughs> and, then, and then so what happens is they go, what are you talking about? And he goes, hey, look, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, meaning himself, Jesus. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So he finishes right there.
1: So Jesus and his disciples go into this house, right away from Mm -hmm. the crowds. Um, it's all private. It's a private space where they could, could ask what he meant. Right. Mm Um, it's. Pretty obvious that they asked because they didn't get it, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it's pretty funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and because and it's like, you know, as you as you go through this, the Bible, especially because a lot of these guys end up being the ones that are writing yeah. the, the, the letters and the books later on after the Gospels, right? Yeah. So you're like, whoa, they just have it all figured out all the time. They were on it. And this is one of those points where it's like, oh, no, they sometimes were just as perplexed as yeah. everyone else when Jesus was was— talking. The
0: overwhelming right? thing about why you want to read the the four biography biographies on the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in, in the New Testament is because it the more you read them it just becomes overwhelmingly evident that the disciples had no idea what was going on until after the resurrection. Well, and it's you, yeah. <laughs> then, then they look back and they go, "Oh, and now it makes sense." And it's
1: a it's a cinematic, it's an artistic take on it, but the chosen um, sh- TV series yeah. shows this quite a bit. Actually, they yeah. show several points where it's like, they're like, we don't know where he went. We don't know when he's coming back to talk to us about the things that he said. Like he just goes off by himself a lot. Cause he's spending yeah. time with God and doing his own thing, but they're constantly just sort of like, I don't know what he meant. I'm I, we're just here. waiting. <laughs> we're just, just following Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny that way, but.
0: Let's go through his explanation so we can learn some things about what he actually draws a correlation. Now, what's really interesting here is first when interpreting a parable, you cannot make a one-to-one correlation for everything in the parable, right? Mm -hmm. You, you know, but what you do is you have to pick the points, the main points, uh, to see what Jesus is getting at. And this is a perfect example so that when we go and study other parables, right, that don't have an explanation to them. Then what we're going to do is we're using this parable, right? Is a model. So this is the starter
1: parable for baby's first parable (laughs) that you can, that you can learn how to then further interpret the others, which I'm assuming is why it's included, right? Is, is the, the writers, uh, and Jesus wanted the ability for everyone to know. I wasn't just telling stories just to like tell stories, there's, there's but meaning behind it, I'm going to help you do your first one, but after this. You can, at least the ones that are recorded, obviously there's probably points where the yeah, disciples, but,
0: uh, you know, you're exactly right. And the point is this, is that, okay, is the point of the story to draw a one-to-one correlation to everything, or are there specific correlative points in the parable? T- and that's what Jesus does is he doesn't draw a correlation to every single one. Right. Mm-hmm. He says there is uh, but there are some specific ones he goes. So, so, so here's some ground rules when interpreting a parable. Okay. Uh, is you have to understand the parable itself, the story. Okay. Number two, you have to understand the culture in which it was told. Okay. Because the cultural nuances make a huge difference in understanding, you know, Mm. uh, that's why it's so, like sometimes when you watch movies from other cultures, you're like, okay, I, there's a lot of things I just don't get.
1: Yeah, Kurosawa films are these old Ronin. What films? Kurosawa. So they're Karasawa? old. Kurosawa? Kurosawa. I've
0: never he's, heard that He's before. an
1: amazing director, but he did all these old Ronin samurai films. They're all yeah. in black and white, and they're very much actually based on old Westerns. Like yeah. he took inspiration from Westerns. But if you're watching this movie about samurais, you're probably not going to get a lot of the things of like, why are they cutting their hair and yeah. why are they doing these things if you don't understand the culture? So you can look at it and be like, okay, that's a great story. I don't understand why they chose the things they did, but once you have a deeper understanding of their culture and, and the way they do things there, then you're like, oh, that motivation totally makes sense. Yeah. That, that guy So you,
0: in the more you understand the culture. So one of the things is if you're a connoisseur of movies and Kurosawa,
1: Kurosawa,
0: Kurosawa. If you're a a connoisseur of Kurosawa movies, probably what you do is you go and you study the culture so Mm -hmm. that you understand the emotional impact of when they do something. Right. Right. So it kind of moves you. It's like, oh, wow, this is powerful. But until you learn that, so that's what we need to do. If we want to understand the power of the parables, we need to understand the culture that it was written to. It doesn't matter how you feel about it as much as it matters, how they felt about it when they heard it. Mm, Right. Yes. Yes. And that means you need to understand their worldview. Okay. The culture's worldview or yeah. the, the, okay. the listener's worldview? You okay. have to understand it. And who he was talking to. Who he was talking to, how they looked at the worldview. This is a really big deal. you know. Worldview is like, I read a book by Don Larson called The Peace Child, and he is a cultural anthropologist and a Christian, and he mm-hmm. decided, I want to go to Papua New Guinea, and I want to reach a tribe for Christ that has never heard of Jesus ever. It's called an unreached people group. So he, he went to do this. Well, they were cannibals, right? So he gets there, and he is accepted by the tribe. He starts to live with the tribe. And what the tribe does is the men would get around fire at night and tell stories. You know, And this is how they kept their traditions alive, his storytelling. Oral telling. history, right? It's an oral history. And so finally it got to the point where he was so accepted by the men, they asked him to tell a story, right? So he says, this is my My, my chance. chance. This is it. Yeah, so he tells them about Jesus and how Judas... Betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And so all the men wanted to worship Judas. Mm. Because the ultimate... That was a pivot that he was not expecting. He was not (laughs) expecting that. Because he didn't understand the culture. And in cannibalism, you know, they don't eat other people because they're hungry. right? You see, what people don't realize is it's a spiritual and religious thing. And what you do is you go to another tribe, right? And you try to win the trust of a member of another tribe, a warrior from another tribe, right? So you win his trust. You get him to go hunting with you. First, you trade stuff. You try to bring in, bring him in. And then once you get his trust, that's when you kill him, and then you eat him, and what you do is you are able to steal all of the power from that other tribe. Okay. So Judas was what? The hero of the story. Right. And so you have to understand their worldview if you really want to understand the import of the parable. And their worldview was there is a big difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, in, in their mind, their worldview is the kingdom of God was the covenant that the Jews had with God tied to the land. Mm. Okay. And right now we are living in um, our land that was promised to us by God. So we are the chosen people of God. We are the kingdom of God. This land is the kingdom of God. And they looked at it as a literal kingdom. Right. Right. And then we need an army and we need to protect our kingdom like uh, the kingdom next
1: door. Yeah. And we've been invaded by Rome. So we need and someone yes. to come set our kingdom yes. free of that. And so nature. now we have
0: Romans living in Jerusalem, in in Galilee with garrisons and collecting taxes. And they are, they are outsiders outliers oppressors evil you know they're they're bad people so they're living in this right and so what are they constantly praying for what are all the zealots and all the pharisees pushing for they want to get rid of the romans the romans right Mm -hmm. it's like we need to root them out by, you know, leaf and force, stem, right. and by force, and, and rebel, and, and all the messianic figures between the book of Malachi and the New Testament, a 400-year period, like Judas Maccabees. Uh, Maccabees means the hammer. Mm. You know, he had the most effective guerrilla campaign against the oppressors. But, so, now, take that out. What do they want is they want to rip out all Roman influence out of their kingdom because it's infecting them and causing them not to be able to fulfill the covenant. So what, so what happens is Jesus says the world is the field. So the earth can, you say the kingdom of God is this plot of land. I'm saying that the field is the whole earth. Okay. Number two, the son of man has come to earth and he sows good seed. He specifically says that the son of man sows good seed and the good seed are his people. Okay, so, so what does that mean? We'll talk a little bit on Thursday about the different theological perspectives, but how does Jesus sow people? right? It's the are these, way you
1: fish people would be my guess.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, how do you become one of Jesus's people so that now you are one of the, you're the good seed and you're growing wheat, right? Cause right. he said, that's what the crop is called. Then the weeds are bad people. And there's this weed, it's like Darnell something or other. What's really interesting, uh, in Kansas, people are really familiar with it because they do a lot of winter wheat farming and and it's called dry land farming. They don't have pivots like out here in Idaho. And so what they do is they plant it in the fall in September, October. Right. And it comes up and it spreads out. Right. And there's a weed that looks exactly the same way. You can't tell them apart. Mm. Okay. But what happens is they start to grow, right? And then they grow up and then one, you realize, wait a second, one's a weed and one is wheat.
1: Once they kind of get to that point where they're blossoming or whatever yep, the term they start, is. Yeah, yeah.
0: The, they've got the, they kind of start growing up and the stock comes up. But what, what's really interesting is he says an enemy comes in, plants weeds, and so now right, we, have good, we have good plants and we have bad plants right mm. next to each other. So then what happens is the servant says, should we go and weed the garden, weed the field? And what's interesting is he says, no, he goes, no, he goes, what we're going to do is we're going to let them grow until we can differentiate. Right. And then when they're time to harvest, then we're going to separate. So Mm. what does that mean? Jesus says there will be a final judgment, right? Right. And there'll be a time where people are separated good from bad. Right. Mm. And then what it is is he says, the angels are the workers who will gather the harvest and they will weed out of his kingdom, out of God's kingdom, everything that causes a sin and all who do evil. So who does evil? Why do they do evil? So is it this interesting, the correlations that he's drawing between the story of, man, somebody came in and tried to ruin your field. What do we do? Do we fix it right now or what? And he says, nope, let them grow up. There will be a final judgment. And so they need to coexist. And that is what is so interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really important that as we go through these parables, we're going to see a lot of these agricultural tradecraft yeah. parables because that was what they had at the time. If Jesus yeah. came today, he might talk about technology and things of that nature and utilize that mm-hmm. as kind of a as a thing. But he was doing something that back then, like 98% of people were yes. involved in just helping produce food so that everyone could survive, right? So Correct. this was the most relevant thing that would, would tap into what the most people know about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So he is speaking about this, but it's really saying a lot about what the kingdom of God is and how it works. Right. So can you, in, in our, in our time that's remaining, give us some specific things that we should be gleaning out of this parable that you haven't already kind of discussed?
0: Well, I think that that is, uh. the implications of it to me seem to be pretty significant. And this is why I wanted to start with this parable. And that is, first of all, there are people in the kingdom and there are people out of the kingdom and they live side by side. Right. Okay. So I live side by side with people in the kingdom. I drive on the roads. I eat in restaurants and some of the people that I'm next to are, uh, are great people, but they may be out of the kingdom for Mm. all I know. Yeah. And i just don't know um and when what that does is that says that there is a realistic division between those in and those out okay so jesus then comes and he says the son of man sows the seed so what is he talking about and so you have to get a little bit in deeper you know down the road and what it means is that jesus brought the seed and the seed is the gospel The, the, I am the gospel. That's what Mm. Jesus said. I am the gospel. When you believe in me, you have eternal life, right? Right. Well, what are we believing in him? Well, we believe exactly what he came to do and said he came for that whole purpose. So when when the gospel is received in the heart of a person, they are now redeemed. They are born again. They move from death to life. And so now they become a, a part of the kingdom. So salvation is not just being saved from hell. It's being adopted into the family of God and made a part of his kingdom. Mm. All right. So now you're going to grow and guess who could be growing right next to you? A weed. A weed for all you know. So that that weed is going to have an impact on you. Right. And so what's really interesting, there are many people living in the kingdom of Satan. This is why Bad things still happen in this world today. You see, there are a lot of people who live right next to you, right? Or in the city next to you, or the state next to you, or the country or continent next to you, right, right? who are not in the kingdom of God. They are in the kingdom of Satan, and that's why... Uh, bad things still happen in this world today. Even though God is completely good, he is all-powerful and all-loving. God has a moral reason for allowing evil to continue, the kingdom of Satan to continue. And what is that? If he uproots it and gets rid of it, what might it do to you and your faith?
1: It could destroy it.
0: It could destroy it. So that's really interesting. You know, why, why most people are like, Well, I want to, you know, God should get rid of all evil. And people are so infantile in their thinking. And that's why Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, you should hear. But you don't get it because you're so infantile half the time. And that is, what are the overwhelming implications of doing these things? You know, are they saying, well, I think God ought to do this. There comes a time, he says, when he will root out all evil as he says in the parable, in the final judgment. However, in the meantime, if he does it, it destroys the growth of the kingdom.
1: Well, and it's if we use your analogy where those two things look very similar, Mm -hmm. you don't know. That person could be not in the kingdom right now, but the Bible talks about several times that God is patient. He's delaying this final judgment in hopes that more... Will come to the kingdom, right? So if you just, if he stops it now, it's like there's X amount of souls that have to be separated out, right? He delays this because that's part of it too, is he's hoping or he's he's giving time for people to maybe present at the final harvest as wheat instead of weeds.
0: Correct. And because the son of man is planting seeds. Right. You see, and they and they they grow into kingdom people, and so the nature of the kingdom of God is about growth. Mm. You see, there's an underlying theme there. It's all about growth. It's exactly what you said, uh, Peter, the apostle, in his letters to the church. He said this because people were feeling the same way. Why doesn't Jesus come back? It's about and this time. Is when they
1: were still thinking he yeah. was coming back in the yeah, next, next, like, next couple week. years,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he'll be back next week. Um, but what he said is, he goes, "Don't be deceived. God is patient." He is not slow. Mm. He's patient about his promise. And the promise he's talking about is coming back to save him. He goes, he, God does not wish anyone to perish Mm. in the fire. Right. As Jesus says here in the fire, but he desires all men to come to repentance So the nature of the kingdom is about growth and when you see the gospel take root in the heart of a person and they move from death to life, they become a part of the kingdom. So not only does the kingdom expand a little bit, then what happens is they grow in the kingdom. Mm. So there's individual growth and then there's community growth. growth, kingdom growth. And so that's what's so important is to understand is that our, what we should be doing more than anything else, right, is trying to expand the kingdom for, right. for a couple of reasons. Number one is God wishes all to come into repentance. so right. They all need to hear. And Paul says in Romans, how will they know the truth unless someone tells them? And how can anybody tell them unless somebody is sent, sent. Yep. you know, to preach? Yep. <laughs> so we have to preach uh, the gospel. That's a critical point. And, and that's, but we also have to understand that the parable tells us all about the nature of evil, right? Mm. It, you know, it's like there is a strong, powerful pushback. There is an enemy that comes in and sows seeds of evil.
1: Knowing that that spiritual warfare is happening is, is so important because otherwise you just think you're an unlucky person or you don't have control of yourself or whatever, right? Like having that mindset of there's someone out there actively working against you and the kingdom of God, it puts you in a completely different mindset about how you pray, how you live your life. Mm -hmm. When things happen to you, it's not oh, I'm just unlucky, or why did God let this happen to me? It's like, no, there's a guy actively out there who wants you to die. He is actively attempting to kill you each and every day. Destroy everything about you. Yeah, Whether it's spiritually or physically, he is out there trying to do that. And you Mm -hmm. go, well, why is God... You know, why is this happening to me? And my life's just so unlucky. And it's like, no, you have to understand there's a guy that's actively out there attacking you, <laughs> right? It's just, yeah, there's just not this
0: random
1: stuff happening to you because a benevolent
0: God isn't changing all the lights green for you to get to work on time. Right. It doesn't work that way. What you have to realize is that the, the, the spirit of evil, the kingdom of this world doesn't want you to build anything. Mm. Doesn't want you to experience love. Doesn't want you to have healthy relationships. Doesn't want you to have good friendships, doesn't want you to be productive, doesn't want you to have a good self-image, doesn't want you to have an identity built on reality, doesn't want you to have a worldview that is best for everybody else around right. you, doesn't want a society that is at peace and gets along and is productive and has agreements between each other. It, what this spirit wants is to destroy everything. It's a spirit of chaos. It's a spirit of evil. It is a spirit of destruction and it lives and exists in the heart of people. These people are weeds. And so what happens is you have to say, I'm living right next to some of these people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, that malevolence, that evil can come out of them in a good, you know, I'm not in a good way, but uh, pr- in a powerful way, or they can control it through the uh, pressure of societal expectations. But make no bones about it until they hear the gospel, until the seed that Christ, who Christ is, is planted in their soul, and then they meet him and they move from death to life. They are not a part of the kingdom of God, which is directly in opposition to the spirit of evil and chaos. Mm. And so this parable shows us why we need to be and to live in the kingdom of God.
1: Well, pastor, I'm so excited for us to uh, be studying these parables. I think there's so much to be gleaned from them and especially with someone to guide us through it. Cause sometimes when we read it, it just looks like a story and you yeah. don't understand it. But then with the right direction and right understanding, right worldview, right understanding of culture, we can really get what Jesus was getting at, at the time. So thank you so much for guiding us through I'm excited to be spending more time in these over the course of the summer and our 300th episodes coming up next week as well. So I'm excited to be celebrating that with you as well. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast.
0: Blessings. <laughs>